When you really stop to think about it, there are just so many reasons to be afraid. Ghosts, demons, ghouls, golems, Dainese, Rakkush, Kakkush, Shakchudni, Jen. The list goes on and on. In this episode, we'll give you one more reason to be afraid to go to sleep tonight. So put on your headphones and settle in as we take you on a journey into the paranormal. Where there's only one question that matters. Are we scared yet? It happened in the early 1960s. I had just started college in the city and I was having problems with my family. I needed to move out. I'd been saving up what I could, but in South Asia, as a pre-graduate in that time, it was difficult to find a job. I was good at studying and performed well in my exams, so I was qualified to do one thing, and that was private tutoring. Nobody in my village had enough money to spend on a private tutor, though, so I had to find work in the city, and since, as I mentioned, I couldn't afford room and board in the city just yet, I had to commute to and from home in the village every day. By the time I would be done tutoring, it would be 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and if you've ever been to a village, then you'll know that villagers tend to go to bed with the sun, so by the time I would get home, even at those hours, the whole village would be asleep. One particular evening, I finished tutoring a little later than usual, and the mother of my student invited me to stay for dinner. After the dinner was finished, I began my route home, and it was well past 10 p.m. when I set out. Now, the city and the village are divided by a river, so my usual commute included riding my bike to the ferry yard and then taking a boat across before riding another two kilometers home. But on this particular day, my bicycle was in the shop for repairs. Since I had to stay late and had an exam coming up, and since I was without my bicycle, I decided to take a shortcut through the Shamshan. A Shamshan is uh, where cre- uh, Hindu cremation happens. They usually are located by the river, so the ashes can be spread and distributed by the water. I generally avoided this route at all costs at night because there's something about the Shamshan in our village that just feels off when the sun goes down. But the Shamshan route would cut my remaining walk home in half. I took a bus to the ferry station, I found a boatman to get me across, and after disembarking, I suddenly felt so tired. You know, it had been a long day, but I was just grateful in that moment that my student's mother had fed me because I feel like without that fresh sustenance, I might have just collapsed right there on the spot. So tired as I was, 
I gathered myself and resolved to march through the Shamshan. And although I was afraid, I had my prayers with me. and I felt and still feel that nothing bad could happen as long as I kept reciting them. I had a habit of reciting Ayatul Kursi whenever I was alone. After one deep breath, I braved up, began my recitation, and started to walk. The very moment I stepped foot on the Shamshan grounds, a black cat emerged from the shadows in front of me, staring directly toward me with unnaturally bright green eyes. The path was lit with some moonlight and that helped me to see, but it was as if the cat's eyes were lit by the noonday sun. The cat prowled toward me. At first it was confident, but then it hesitated when it reached earshot of my whispered prayers. At that point, it began hissing and baring its teeth. As I took a step closer, the cat inched back, but it hissed even louder. It put its back and its tail up. And for a moment, I could have sworn I saw the glint of ruby red moonlit blood dripping from its teeth. I continued reciting the Ayatul Kursi over and over, louder with each passing recitation, and I kept my eyes locked on the creature as I continued to plod forward. And suddenly, the sound of Nukur filled the night. The jingling of the anklet bells was then joined by giggling. From my peripheral vision, I saw a woman running at the edge of the tree line in a red sari. She was beautiful, enticing me to avert my gaze from the path ahead of me and to follow her into the jungle. I nearly looked away from the black cat, but something about the hungry look in its eyes kept my attention. It somehow seemed to grow larger as I approached, even as it was backing away from me. But I kept walking forward, one foot in front of the other with great effort. The sound of the nupur and the giggles continued rhythmically. It became more difficult to focus on my prayer with every passing moment. I felt as if I was drugged. My thoughts slowed. My breath came in gasps. The bright red sari, the jingling bells, and the throaty, giggling voice of the woman overwhelmed my senses. Only my fear, and the thin slice of my mind that remained conscious of how strange this whole thing was, kept me focused on my prayer. I focused my mind on the pressing need to escape this spell. And deep down, I had a sense that my life depended on it. I was more terrified than I've ever been. 
My words became a swirling jumble in my mind, and if not for years of recitation that made my prayers as much a habit as breathing, my mouth may not have kept moving, and the words may not have kept pouring out. As soon as both of my feet landed outside of the shamshan, I felt as if a belt that had been tightening around me snapped loose. With every passing step, the sound of the nipur faded, and the black cat slinked back into the shadow from whence it came. It took everything in my power not to run the rest of the way home, but I could still feel an evil presence lurking just out of view. And so I continued my prayer as the shamshan faded into the darkness behind me. I don't remember making it home that night. Later, I was told that my sister woke in the middle of the night to use the outhouse and she found me lying senseless in the middle of the yard. She said that I was tossing and turning, still babbling the Ayatul Kursi. I had a fever so high that my mother said approaching me was as walking toward a bed of coals. It was a fever no one thought I would come out of. A fever I remember nothing of. But soon enough, I began to recover. Even weeks later, though, the breeze through our yard carried the scent of brimstone. The village chief and the elders were all in agreement that if I hadn't had my prayers with me that night, I surely would have never made it home. If that entity posing as a beautiful woman had succeeded in distracting me, I might not have survived. Needless to say, that was the last time I ever took a shortcut. Hey folks, thanks for listening to our second episode. We hope you got the chills. If you like what you heard, then you'll want to stay tuned because we have plenty more spook to share. We would appreciate it if you would take a moment to like and subscribe on YouTube, follow and rate us wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Instagram. But whatever you do, do yourself a favor and stay scared.